Due to the extreme nature of this program, listeners' discretion is advised. The subject matters may include topics of substance usage, sex, foul language, and references to historical events that may be sensitive to some listeners. Things discussed may not be considered politically correct in this overly sensitive environment. They may not be appropriate for listeners under the age of 13, as well as some listeners, no matter the age, may find things offensive. Again, listener discretion is advised. Don't say we didn't warn you. This is a story of a long time ago, a time of myth and legend, when the world wasn't so sensitive, when we could laugh at ourselves and lived with our differences. Only one generation dared to make a difference, Generation X. Gen X possessed a strength the world had never seen, a strength only surpassed by the power to change pop culture and to shape the world. From flower power to the internet, via disco and big hair, they journeyed through time trying to improve life for all, but somewhere along the way, it all went wrong. Now, one man, by the power of the podcast, travels through time, reminding Gen Xers of days past, hoping each time it will rekindle the fire that was in their bellies way back in better days. Robert Pop is that podcaster. A grouchy old man on a crusade to champion the cause of a generation one episode at a time, in a world unrecognizable from his youth, trying to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his spark will catch fire in others. salutations and welcome to GXO, another episode of Generation Extraordinary, the podcast nobody asked for, focusing on everything pop culture from the greatest generation ever, Generation X. So if it happened between 1960 and 1999, we're going to discuss it like movies, music, TV, and even a bit of history from that year. Who knows, you may just learn something before it's done. And if you're lucky, This old man may just regale you with a story or two from his own life and experiences. I'm Robert Pop, your host, coming to you from beautiful Podunk, Nebraska. Whenever I feel like a sweaty slob, there's only one assurance that gives me peace of mind. That's sledgehammer deodorant. I just go in to sprucing up like an airplane, wipe under each wing once and hit the tail and I'm good to go for days. Hell, I don't even need to take a shower for a whole week. That's how good this shit is. Sledgehammer deodorant. That's how good this shit is. By no one. Alright, welcome to another episode of GXO, Generation Extraordinary, the podcast that nobody ever asked for, but yet, here I still am. Uh, just some dude in his apartment with a microphone. And I was told today that I should get a life, but you know what? I really enjoy this. This is a great hobby of mine. I love it. Um... Today's topic, we're going to travel back in time. I know this is going to be hard to believe, but we are. We're going to go back to the year 1982, and our topic today is going to be Knight Rider. So, as always, here's our history lesson, students. Pay attention. Set up right, spit your gum out, and take notes. The top headlines are, are first off, our leaders. We had in the Soviet Union, of course, Leonid Brezhnev. He was around for a very long time. In Soviet Union, Brezhnev finds you. Here in the United States, we had Ronald Reagan. And over in England, the Prime Minister was Margaret Thatcher. On the headline uh, for that year, Michael Jackson's Thriller album was released. AT&T was ordered to break up because of a monopoly. And... I'm still amazed that there are still monopolies going on, but yet nobody's breaking them up. Nobody. I mean, yeah. So, anyway. Also in 1982, uh, Tylenol capsules were laced with cyanide, and they killed seven people in Chicago. The Vietnam Vet Memorial was dedicated. Thank God that finally happened, because... I want to thank all the Vietnam vets that are out there. You guys really took the shitty end of the stick, 
And you know what? It was always a little too little, too late. And, uh, you know, I myself grew up in, well, in, v- in, in the Vietnam era and, uh, and got to see the way our soldiers were treated when they came back. And it was disgusting. Even for a small child, it was just disgusting. Largest cash robbery happened in New York City. $9.8 million from an armored car. That was stolen. First issue of the USA Today was put out. Michael Fagan broke into Queen Elizabeth's bedroom. Why? It was not a panty raid. He just wanted to sit and talk with the queen. Let her know what it was really like that was out there. And things were not great at that time. The first artificial heart implant was put in in the United States. The Ocean Ranger, the world's largest oil rig, sunk in the North Atlantic. Leonid Brezhnev, well, he died. He died in office of a heart attack. Princess Grace, 52 years old, she died of injuries when her car plunged off a mountain road. Uh, daughter Stephanie, 17, she actually suffered serious, serious injuries. John Hinckley Jr., this guy found not guilty because of reason of insanity in the shooting of President Reagan and um, Brady, James Brady, shot him in the head. That's how we come up with the Brady Bill. John Belushi died of a drug overdose at the age of only 33. And the first episode of Late Night with David Letterman debuted on NBC. After many reports of whales becoming endangered species in the international uh, waters, the International Whaling Commission decides to end commercial whaling and a major recession hits the United States that year. Wave of terrorist attacks in France by Carlos the Jackal. Lech Walesa, leader of the outlawed Solidarity Movement, is released from prison after only 11 months in jail. Good for him. And then he became, I believe it was a few years later, he became uh, like leader of Poland. So that was cool. And the Weather Channel debuted on cable TV for the very first time. Those are our top headlines. Now, let's talk about music. So, top five songs in the U.S. Hurt So Good by John Cougar, now known as John Mellencamp. Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. That's because Rocky was a theater, or out there in the theaters. Abracadabra by the Steve Miller Band. Centerfold by Jay Giles Band. I never cared for that song. I don't know why. My blood ran cold. My baby is centerfold. Yeah. I don't know. There was just something about that. And Don't, Don't You Want Me by The Human League. Top five songs in the UK. Dexie's Midnight Runner with Come On Eileen. And again, I will repeat as I did a couple of weeks ago. Insert your own innuendo on that. It is spelled C-O-M-E, but you do what you want with it. I Had the Tiger by Survivor. Fame by Irene Cara. The Lion Sleeps Tonight by Tight Fit. And Do You Really Want to Hurt Me by Culture Club. Um, top R&B songs. After I Cry Tonight by Lanier and Company. Don't think I've ever heard that song. Ain't Nobody Baby by Con Funk Shun. No, I'm not real sure that I know that song either. Are You Serious? by Tyrone Davis. Baby Come to Me by Patty Austin with James Ingram. That's a great song. Bad Boy Having a Party by Luther Vandross. I love Luther. You know, he was part of my Get With It playlist. And uh, yeah, him, Barry White, you know, loved loved Luther. Uh Top five songs in country music. Lost His Love on Our Last Date by Emmylou Harris. Nope, can't say I know that song. 
Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson. I gotta say, um, I love Waylon, and these two did a great job with it, but Otis Redding is really the only one that should ever sing that song. 16th Avenue by Lacey J. Dalton. A Child of the 50s by the Statler Brothers. No, don't know that song either. A Love Song by Kenny Rogers. Nope, sorry. Only one on that whole list there that I know. On the crime beat. Well, guys, this is 1982. There was a shitload of serial killers that were out there doing their thing. So, here we go. Hold on to your butt. Uh, and always my disclaimer, find Serial Killing a Podcast for more details on these killers. Starting in 1970 to 1987, the Angel of Death, Donald Harvey, and he's dead. 1970 to 2022, the Texas Killing Fields, still unsolved. 1970 to 2005, the Choke and Stroke Killer, Sam Little, he's dead. 1970 to 1982, Janine Jones. 1971 to 1983, the Butcher Baker, that's Robert Hansen, he's dead. 1971 to 1987, Rose West, she's dead. 1972 to 1989, Genesee River Killer, Arthur Shawcross, he's dead. 1975 to 1990, the Truck Stop Killer, that would be Robert Ben Rhodes. He is still alive in prison The last at the time of this broadcast. 1975 to 1995, the Denver Prostitute Killer, still at large. 1976 to 1986, the Oklahoma City Butcher, still at large. 1977 to 1993, Kansas City Strangler, Lorenzo Gilliard, unknown whether he's alive or dead. 1977 to 1994, the Alphabet Murders, Joseph Nazo, I believe he's dead. Don't quote me on that. 1978 to 1991, the Milwaukee Cannibal, everybody knows him as Jeffrey Dahmer. He, of course, is dead. 1978 to 1983, we had Dez over in England, Dennis Nielsen. He is dead. You guys need to check that out because there's a lot of parallels between him and Dahmer. 1978 to 1990, the Butcher of Rostov. That's Chikatilo. He's dead. 1979 to 1986, the Golden State Killer, that's Joseph James D'Angelo. And 1982 to 1998, the Green River Killer, Gary Ridgway. You don't know much about Gary Ridgway. Oh my God, you need to check this out. This dude was seriously fucked. I mean, he was just fucked from the word go. There's no other way to put that. His mom used to give him a bath until he was like 12 or 14. That's, ugh, yeah, gross. And, yeah, he had some serious, he does, he's just got some seriously big problems. In the bookstore, we got The Color Purple, great book. The Gunslinger, I never read that one. The BFG, I think that's the big freaking giant is what that is. That was okay book. Schindler's List, great book, great book. One more time, great book. Different Seasons. Don't believe I ever read that one. The Running Man. They turned that into a really shitty movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. God, that movie sucked. That whole game show concept and yeah. But, you know, the highlight in there was Jesse the Body Ventura was one of the guys that he was fighting. So, you know. And Richard Dawson being an evil game show host. Because I don't think he really got to uh, when he was on Family Feud. V for Vendetta. God, I love that book. I love that movie. I love everything about that story. Yes. The North and the South. Great book about the Civil War. And you really should, if you've never seen it, check out the miniseries that was on TV. Uh, I believe it was in 85 or 86. I don't remember which. War Horse. That's another great book that was adapted to a movie. Creep Show. You know, I love me some scary shit. You know, Creep Show is just really good. Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. And I don't think there's a person out there alive that don't know the Shawshank Redemption. However, if you want to take it just a little bit further, you really should read the book because as good as the movie was, man, the book was just even that much better. And Apt Pupil. Never read that one. In the movie theater, 
Wow. I mean, looking at this list. Fast times at Ridgemont High. That just speaks for itself. The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Horrible movie. The Toy. Jackie Gleason, Richard Pryor. Love them both. Hated this movie. Where Jackie Gleason basically hired Richard Pryor to be his grandson's toy or his kid's toy. Funniest thing in that, though, was was Jackie Gleason's uh, name. It was U.S., and they always called him U.S. Uh, Poltergeist. I got to tell you, I'm the reason why my daughter is going to need therapy because she, oh gosh, I'm trying to think how old she was, maybe eight, if that. Um, The kids came out to my place out in Colorado, and of course, that was when I was married to my second wife. And again, as I've always said, been married more times than any human should ever be able to be. And uh, we did a scary movie weekend and Poltergeist. And I was later told from my first wife that um, our daughter for like six months had to sleep with the light on because of that. So, baby, you're welcome. Tootsie. Um, I don't know that you could make a movie now with Tootsie, like Tootsie, because, you know, the whole dressing in drag thing, um, I think it pissed somebody off, and God knows, everybody out there right now is super hypersensitive. Not only did we have that cross-dressing movie, but we also had Victor Victoria, and both of those are really good movies. I love them both. Um, One of my favorite biopics, Gandhi. That was on there, but I'm going to tell you what. If you're not invested into three hours, pass it by. Because as great of a movie as it is, it's a long story. 48 Hours, that was with uh, Nick Nolte and uh, Eddie Murphy. E.T. E.T. Phone home. Um, Yeah. E.T. liked them Reese's Pieces, though. You know? That uh, That was the candy kickoff. The uh, diner, that was that was out there. Um, yeah, it was all right. Star Trek Two, or as everybody tends to remember it as, the Wrath of Khan, probably one of the best original movies. Ah, God, I loved. I mean, out of the original series, the movies that came out, you know, it was like it was almost like every other one was really good. And because if you're a Trekkie, you, you have to watch the ones that are bad just because. Um, because, yeah, Search for Spock wasn't a great flick at all. Um, but Wrath of Khan, greatest scene ever. Uh, Kirk and Spock divided in the warp core by glass. And the immortal line of... I have been and always shall be your friend. Wow. Almost chokes me up right there. That's one of those scenes that just makes my the hair on my on my arm stand up. Officer and a Gentleman. Yeah, that's alright movie. Blade Runner, another okay movie. Rambo First Blood. That one, you know what? That was I think that was the first time we actually saw a kind of a realistic uh Vietnam movie where the guy came back and he was really dealing with some PTSD before we knew what PTSD was and creep show um, that yeah that was an all right movie uh, on Broadway we had Agnes of God Alice in Wonderland cats Joseph and the amazing Technicolor dream coat and seven brides for seven brothers on TV we were watching cheers family ties St. Elsewhere, Silver Spoons, and of course our topic today, Knight Rider. But it's amazing to me that all five of those were on NBC. Huh. NBC had a good lineup back then. Uh, uh, the BBC had the Black Adder, and of course Mr. Rowan Atkins, uh, he actually became Mr. Bean. Fame, I think that was one of the, uh, the, the only ones off of ABC that was decent. Remington Steele. Introducing the world to Pierce Brosnan. And God, that was such a great show. And I'm, and I'm going to do, do a series on, on Remington Steel. I love that show. T.J. Hooker, 
that was uh, that was that was that was when uh, Shatner became a cop. Police squad. That was just a spoof. Matt Houston. Uh, square pegs. God, I hated square pegs. Oh my God! Even to this day, I cannot stand Sarah Jessica Parker. Never have understood what it is that anybody finds her funny, attractive. She just, to me, she's on that same list as a puke with, oh, I don't know, Amy Schimmer. Ugh. Yeah. And Mariah Carey. Ugh. Nine to five. They tried a TV show. Was not successful. Uh, Not necessarily the news was out. Nature. We were all learning about uh, animals and stuff. Late Night with David Letterman, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. I remember my grandparents watching that. Herbie the Love Bug, loved that TV show. Too bad it didn't last. Gloria, which was the one of the spinoffs from uh, All in the Family, sucked. Oh, I mean, not just a little, sucked so bad. So bad. Um, yeah. Ripley's Believe It or Not... Um, and I loved the, the fact that Jack Palance was Ripley's and believe it or not, he had such a, a distinct voice. Um, I always love watching the original 1989 Batman, uh, where he is, uh, the crime boss. And, uh, so, and then Saturday mornings we were introduced to Pac-Man. And of course our topic for today, like I said, is Knight Rider. So stick around after some of these words from some of my fake sponsors. Ever just sit on a toilet and have the never-ending wipe? Well, those days are over. Introducing One and Done Wipes, a new form of toilet paper that contains a solvent. I mean solution, where there's just one wipe and you're fresh and clean. Done deal. The secret is a two-step process. First, getting the right paper that's part paper towel and part angel kisses because it's so strong and so soft. Next comes a solvent, I mean solution, that's going to let you know that you are clean. It even tingles. Oh my. And here's the biggest news. It's reusable. Just follow the cleaning instructions on the label. No more wondering if you're going to leave skid marks. Oh yeah. No more worrying if there won't be any paper during the next pandemic. And no more flushing away your hard-earned money. The one and done wipe. Available at all fine retailers and auto body shop suppliers everywhere. The views and opinions expressed are just that, Rob's views and opinions. He's not always politically correct, and those views may not match up with your own. Please believe me, it is not his intention to offend anyone. Hopefully you find the shows entertaining and informative as well. Please note, Rob is not a professional historian, but he has done a lot of research for this show. With that being said, mistakes happen, but he will do his best to minimize those. Keep in mind, he's just some nut with a microphone. Knight Rider, a shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man who does not exist. of the innocent, the helpless, the powerless, in the world of criminals who operate above the law. Welcome back to another episode of GXO, Generation Extraordinary, the podcast nobody asked for. So today's topic, we are talking about, we are talking about the Knight Rider. And if you're unfamiliar with this show, which quite frankly, I I don't know why you would be. However, um, the premise of the show is 
Self-made billionaire Wilton Knight rescues police detective Lieutenant Michael Arthur Long after a near-fatal shot to the face, giving him, get this, a new identity at bioplastic surgery and a new name, Michael Knight. Wilton selects Michael to be the primary field agent in his pilot program of his public justice organization called the Foundation for Law and Government, or FLAG. The foundation was created by Wilton Knight, who was played by Richard Basehart. Wilton Knight was a visionary. He also wanted to do everything in his power to improve his world. And he dedicated the last years of his life and all of his resources to founding an organization designed to promote good and defeat evil. God, why can't we have something like that these days? That would be amazing. The result was the Foundation for Law and Government and the initiative of the Knight Industries Project to help those in need of assistance or who want to make a difference with their lives. Devin Miles was put in charge after Wilton died in 1982, and he ran the foundation until the year 2000. Devin Miles uh, also believed that it was the foundation's mission to assist those who need help the most, the common person. The other half of this pilot program is the Knight Industries 2000 kit. I am the voice of Knight Industry 2000's microprocessor, K-I-T-T for easy reference, a kit if you prefer. A heavily modified, technologically advanced Pontiac Firebird Trans Am with numerous features including a extremely durable shell and frame controlled by a computer with artificial intelligence. Michael and Kit are brought in during situations where, quote, direct action might provide the only feasible solution, end quote. Michael Knight, played by David Hasselhoff, is, a pol is an ex-police officer and was the field operative for the Foundation for Law and Government from 1982 to 1990. Born Michael Long, he changed his identity after being shot in the line of duty and presumed dead. Michael Knight was then teamed with the Knight Industries 2000 kit. I beg your pardon. He left the foundation in 1990 for retirement, but has been willing to return on occasion to assist his old friends. Devin Miles, played by Edward Mulhair. Devin is the head of the Foundation for Law and Government a good friend of the late Wilton Knight. Miles took over when Wilton passed away in 82, as I mentioned before. He would use the vast resources of FLAG to assist field operatives such as Michael, Kit, and anybody else whenever possible. Devin sat on the Knight Foundation's board of directors and was one of three people in the world who knew the two of the three major components for the molecular bonded shell of Kit. Bonnie Barstow, played by Patricia McPherson, by the way, <laughs> Bonnie was the lead design engineer for Knight Industries, joining shortly after the initial creation of Kit. Although not the original designer for the 2000 series, she routinely repaired, modified, and upgraded Kit's onboard systems, including the creation of Super Pursuit Mode. She normally assisted on field missions while operating out of the Flag Mobile Unit, the Semi. She left in 1983 for one year to pursue graduate studies. April Curtis, played by Rebecca Holden. Not as hot. She was all right, but yeah, I still had a thing more for Bonnie. Anyway, April Curtis assumed the position that Bonnie Barstow held in 1983 for one year, as Barstow wished to pursue other interests. This position included being the head of the Knight Industries design team and performing any technological duties that Kit would need or require. She was also an assistant field operative and a personal assistant to Devin Miles. Reginald Cornelius III, played by Peter Paros, also known as RC3, 
joined the foundation in 1985 after assisting the team while on a mission. He was first encountered by Michael in the streets of a rough neighborhood and called himself the, quote, street avenger, an indication of his vow to fight street crime. Devin liked the man immediately and offered him a job at the foundation. He has various jobs at FLAG, ranging from driving the semi to actually participating during some missions. The real star of the show, the Night Industries 2000. I hate to be the one to break this to you. Voiced by the incomparable William Daniels, was the physical embodiment of a modified 1982 Pontiac Trans Am. Kit is an advanced supercomputer on wheels. The brain of Kit is the Knight 2000 microprocessor, which is the center of a self-aware cybergenetic logic module. You know I can't compute instinct. This allows Kit to think, learn, communicate, and interact with humans. He is also capable of independent thought and action. He has an ego that is easy to bruise and displays a very sensitive but kind and dry, humorous personality. Funny. I detect no source of amusement. Kit's main cybernetic processor was first installed in the mainframe computer used by the U.S. government in Washington, D.C. However, Wilton saw a better use for him in the Foundation's crime-fighting crusade and eventually this... AI system was installed in the vehicle. Kit's computer functions divide into three parts. What Kit is already programmed to do, such as his ability to speak, what he can do on the spur of the moment, and what Bonnie or April can program him to do. Since Kit cannot take independent action unless on surveillance mode, any function he performs in the field has to be directed by Michael. Some of these functions include tapping into telephone lines, any computer, during surveillance mode inside the car activated by a vocal command from Michael, a kind of force field that Kit can use to detect any movement, person, or vehicle within a 100-yard radius. He also has automatic pilot inside the car activated by either pressing a button on the dash or vocal command. This allows Kit to drive by himself. Dual monitor screens. Basic equipment set up in the dash like any TV video player. These perform instant replays, zoom ins, freeze frames and playbacks as well as a whole different variety of things. Also, Kit can punch up visuals on people, any kinds of photographs, video maps, or displays. In pursuit mode, activated by a button on the dash, this puts Kit hot on the tail of whatever Michael is chasing. Turbo boost, we are all familiar with that. This is a button on the dash that enables Kit to virtually fly and hopefully crash through something. His scanner is the red light in the front of the car. This light also is on whenever Kit is in surveillance mode, automatic, or pursuit mode. Infrarays, Kit is an activated on vocal command located somewhere under the hood. This allows Kit, via the monitor screens, to track any heat source, such as a vehicle's engine. Kit also has a sorted function such as a grappling hook, oxygen supply inside the car, and that's activated by pressing buttons on the roof, micro jammers activated on vocal command under the hood used to unlock doors, knock out sensors on security systems, telephone lines, that type of stuff, and a vital sign scanner located under the hood used to check out the blood pressure and heart rate and that's activated by voice command, or Kit can do that on his own. Just like with anything, there are some bad guys in Knight Rider. Garth Knight, played by David Hasselhoff, and I know you would never, ever imagine that. Michael Knight? 
is a living, breathing insult to my existence. Garth was actually Wilton's biological son, who Wilton turned his back on after he was sentenced to three life terms in an African prison. Garth and Elizabeth Knight, his mother, were plotting against Wilton and Devon from the very beginning. Michael's face was constructed in Garth's image by Wilton. Garth almost destroyed Kit with Goliath in a head-on collision in the second season premiere. Dare I ask where we're headed? You gotta find Garth, pal. We're the last thing between him and a plane to Africa. But Michael, he's got Goliath. You can't stop him. Yeah, we gotta try. Kid, at least your power pack ain't installed. How much juice we got left? Michael, surely you're not thinking of using it as a weapon. Well, if I can adapt it, it's worth a try. Take over. Michael, are you sure you know what you're doing? No. He's got another rocket, Michael, and a payload of commandos in the trailer. That's okay. We got our laser. He's coming after us again. That's how snakes are. Can cut off their head, but they still bite. He's got one more rocket, Michael. We got one more laser. That's a fair fight. Garth breaks out from prison in Goliath Returns and terrorizes Devin and April. Garth feels Michael is a, quote, disgrace to his existence and despises him with every ounce of his being. I am the night automated roving robot. Car, if you prefer. I am the prototype of the car of the future. This is the prototype for Kit. Unlike Kit, whose primary directive is to protect human life, Carr was programmed for self-preservation. This makes him ruthless and an unpredictable threat. I do not wish to go back to the slammer. He does not appear as streetwise as Kit and is very naive and inexperienced and almost having a childlike perception of the world. I am the prototype of the car of the future. What you saw was merely an inferior production line model. A pale copy of the original. This has occasionally allowed people to take advantage of his remarkable capabilities for their own gain. However, due to his ruthless nature, he sometimes uses people's weakness and greed as a way to manipulate them for his own goals. Despite this, he does ultimately consider himself superior, always referring to Kit as the, quote, inferior production line model, as well as unstoppable. And due to his programming, the villains don't usually get very far. Carr demonstrates a complete lack of respect or loyalty, on one occasion even ejecting his passenger to reduce the weight and increase his chances of escape. Originally, Carr was identical to Kit, all black with a red scan bar. Upon Carr's return in the episode Kit vs. Carr, his scan bar is now amber or yellow, but otherwise he is still the same as Kit. Carr later gets a brand new two-tone paint job incorporating a silver lower body to the familiar black finish. Carr's scanner originally made a low droning noise and the sound of Carr's engine originally just sounded rough. Carr's voice modulator, shown as yellow, on the dash display, a different color and design from the various incarnations of Kit's red display. Carr was originally voiced by Peter Cullen. Very distinct voice Peter had. Goliath. Goliath is a huge semi that was coated with the molecular bonded shell and used to secure missiles at Red Bluff. Goliath and Kit went head-to-head, -head, and Kit was badly damaged. Goliath is virtually indestructible, and Kit avoids front confrontations with the vehicle when and where possible. The Juggernaut. The Juggernaut is a futuristic space ATV with 
a battering ram. Kit's molecular bonded shell is unknowingly neutralized by a chemical sprayer, and he and Michael are attacked by the armored vehicle against whom Kit cannot defend. Kit is nearly destroyed in the armored car attack, and Bonnie is unable to repair him without Devon's assistance or Flag's facilities. She and Michael enlist the help of a street kid named RC3, whose gang of friends take Kit to their garage to rebuild him. Kit is reborn with some new gadgets, including a rocket-fast super pursuit mode and can become a convertible. That's the story. That's the whole. That's the whole story. Every week, same episode, basically. They get this unbelievable challenge. They go out. Michael ends up kissing the girl. Kit crashes through something, and they save the day. Always. And I love that fact. During that period of time, you would see TV shows where there was a lot of action, a lot of explosions, such as Knight Rider, The A-Team, Greatest American Hero. Uh, Shows like this, nobody died. Nobody died. There was a lot of explosions, but nobody seriously got hurt. And that was great. We needed that kind of hero. We needed that kind of boost in the 80s. When I come back, I'm going to tell you a story about my own experiences with Knight Rider and how that has made such an impact on me. So stick around. Uh Uh-oh, you know what that means. Chances are you just juiced your shorts. Oh, no! Well, those days are over. Introducing brake pads from Analtech, the makers of the one-and-done wipe and the uh uh-oh undies. The brake pad is specially designed to stop skid marks before they start. Oh, yeah! Because we know as you get older, you shouldn't and can't trust a fart. The brake pad secret technology protects your clothes from unsightly stains and odor, as well as pulling moisture away from your derriere. And all in all, the brake pad just leaves you feeling nice and tingly on the whole. Oh my, my, my. So whether you're a boxers or briefs, granny panties or thongs, or you simply like to go commando, you can bet your sweet ass, Analtech has you covered. You can find Analtech products at all fine retailers and auto shop suppliers everywhere. Any claims of time travel is purely fictitious and should not be believed as these claims are only for entertainment purposes. Plus, honestly, if you believe these claims, we only have one thing to say. What the hell is wrong with you? All right, well, welcome back from those uh, words from my fake sponsors. Hopefully, you found those entertaining and you want to rush right out and buy something. So, um, so Knight Rider, God, I was obsessed with this. Um, you know, I mean, at that time, I had Knight Rider, the Dukes of Hazard, the A-Team, um, Riptide. These were all my go-to shows, and... I, you know, I just, I guess, and the greatest American hero, I guess I wanted to be a hero at that time. I really did. You know, I really kind of just wanted to be the good guy. And as life has gone on and of course made me cynical, um, I've turned more of my attention towards the realistic side of things. Um, but I really believe that we still need these types of heroes that, that, that our kids can look up to. Um, I looked up to him. I really did. I mean, Ralph, 
the greatest American hero? Hell yes. If I could have superpowers given to me by a suit from aliens, fuck yeah. I'm all on board with that. Um, if I could have a 1969 Dodge Charger, fuck yeah. You're damn right. Somebody gives me one of those, I'm doing a General Lee build on that thing. And if you remember from that uh, from that episode, yes, I did try to do the hood slide, which horribly went wrong. Um, but Knight Rider, Knight Rider itself, um, yeah, I saw I saw Michael Knight as more of like just a just a good guy that had all of the all of the things at his disposal. Um, <clears throat> to be honest, yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have had Kit. Um, I can't see where where that ever would have been a bad idea. I mean, you know what? Shit, if I had that kind, of, fuck yeah, I'd be a, I'd be a, I'd be go out and be a, a vigilante. Yeah. So, story about Knight Rider. So, of course, I mean, I had, I had my impression on it uh, as a child. And later on, as my kids got older, I started introducing them to these things that were important to me. Um, the Dukes of Hazard, Greatest American Hero, Knight Rider, so on and so forth. And my son, my middle one, um, he really took to it. He really did. We were at a few car shows. There was kit replicas there. Um, they got to sit in the General Lee. They got to see kit. Um, I got to see kit. And here locally in Podunk, Nebraska, there was a car show that there's a, uh, a, a gal from, uh, oh, about 60 miles from where I live right now that she has a Knight Rider uh, replica and really has done a fantastic job with it. She's actually downloaded some of uh, Kit's phrases, and, uh, and they sound really good. They do. They, I mean, she's really done a good job with it. Um, but when my first wife and I got divorced and separated, I had this old pickup, and I got it, oh, I don't know, what was it, a couple of months or so before we split up, and it was a... I want to say it was like a 76 or a 77 Chevy half ton pickup. It was an old Nebraska state truck. And I'm going to tell you what, this thing was Nebraska state orange and rusty. Oh my God. It was just, it was ugly, ugly. First time I ever went out and rattle canned a, uh, a vehicle. So I go out and I rattle can this thing gray and I put, the, 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 the grill and everything black. And I kind of make like these uh, uh, up the sides and on the hood, not flames, but more like laser type triangles as, uh, as, as, as the pattern on the hood and, and on the fenders. My son, and this was after my first wife and I had split up and my son came to stay with me for the weekend. And he says, daddy, your truck looks like Goliath. And I went, Goliath from, from where? From Knight Rider. So we ended up naming that truck Goliath. There was nothing really all that special about it. It was just because that was what my kid called it. I've had cars that I've called lots of different names. Um, I've had Goliath. I've had Thunder, um, Clyde, The Punisher, um, yeah, I mean, I've had, I don't know what, maybe it's just because I was a child of the late seventies, early eighties, where your vehicle had a name like the general Lee or kit or car. Um, I know that's probably revealing that, you know, I've got two or three screws loose, but, uh, it's just, it's just kind of always been that way. And the funny thing is, is that like some of those cars, my parents, would refer to those by the names that I gave them, which it was just funny. One more thing with Michael Knight. Um, as I've mentioned before, I was not a popular child in school, uh, being the butt end of a lot of jokes. Um, however, 
I had a 1953 Chevy, Bel Air, four-door, um, baby blue. And for whatever reason, the gals in the, uh, the yearbook staff took a picture of it. And the caption was, Michael and Kit have a mission. Find a date. Now, at the time, I thought that that was really just making fun of me. However, looking back on it now, it's kind of funny. It really was. So, I want to, uh, you know, I want to thank the Hoff for being a part of my childhood. Hopefully, it was a part of yours, too. More so than anything else, I want to thank William Daniels for being a major part of my childhood as the voice of Kit. Um, such a distinct voice and such a comedic delivery on everything. So, well, hey, I want to thank you guys for checking out this week's episode, and I really hope you enjoy it. And quite frankly, you know what? Sometimes you just need to turn back the clock, sit down, and watch an old episode of Knight Rider. Have a great week. This has been Generation Extraordinary. The views and opinions are mine and mine alone. Any claims of time travel is purely fictitious. The music and audio clips are not mine, and in most cases were downloaded through my paid YouTube subscription are only used for entertainment purposes. GXO is a production of Popeye Enterprises. Its host, creator, producer, and editor is Robert Pop. Co-producer, Harley Quinn Pop. Special guest voice actress, Ariel Pop. For more information, support, or to contact us, go to the website, www.genxord.com. Thanks for listening.